teacher friend. Welcome to another episode of Simply Teach, a podcast for teachers and by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. I'm a former teacher turned classroom organization and management coach. My passion is to help teachers just like you organize, manage, just love their classrooms. Each episode is full of simple ways to engage your students, stay motivated, and keep up with best practices. Because y'all, I know teaching is hard, but I am so glad that you're here. Hey friends, happy new year. Welcome back to Simply Teach. I hope that you had a very Merry Christmas and a fun celebration for the new year. Thank you for bearing with me as I took the last few weeks off from the podcast. I was not prepared for the three and a half weeks of no internet in our new apartment when we moved in. Yes, you heard me correctly. We moved in and had to wait three weeks, over three weeks, to get someone to come out and set up our internet. So our house was like so quiet all the time because all we could do is read books. We had no Netflix. We couldn't really watch TV. It's all in German. So anyways, we're up and running and I'm super excited because that means I can get back to podcasting. I've got a lot of great guests lined up for this season. So be sure that you subscribe on iTunes. I'm going to figure out how to make sure that the podcast is on other platforms. I don't know how to do that yet, but I'm gonna figure out how to do that because I wanna make sure that anybody can listen, not just Apple iPhone users. Guys, this is episode number 27 with Angela Watson. You may have heard of her blog and website, The Cornerstone for Teachers, or probably have heard of her 40-hour teacher workweek club. I was blown away when she told me how long she's been blogging for. Guys, I cannot even imagine the amount of wisdom that you're gonna find on her website. Angela is currently an instructional coach and an education consultant working to support teachers. She's got, like I said, a blog full of so much information. She's got a podcast with over 100 episodes and she's got books. So she's full of knowledge in helping and supporting teachers. And I wanted to have her on the podcast so that way we could talk about getting back into the routine of things after break. Actually, her podcast was one of the first ones probably the only podcast I listened to that was run by teachers whenever I started dreaming up Simply Teach. So kind of fun to have her on the podcast today. Y'all, it's a new year though. Happy 2019. But we all know that after returning from break, it can be a little bit of a challenge with our kids. And Angela and I talk about that. We talk about routines that you can implement with your kids upon returning to school after the break. But we also talk even more about how to establish routines and boundaries for yourself as a teacher. Angela tells us all about the 40-hour Teacher Workweek Club and how you can sign up and be a part of it. She'll talk about it in the podcast, but I'll have the link on the show notes so you can head there to sign up. Also, if you do decide to sign up, be sure to mention that you heard it on the Simply Teach podcast, and you have to sign up by January 10th because that's when the doors close for this round of members to join. So if you're a teacher that feels like you're spending way too much time in your classroom, which hello, that's probably all of us, then listen up. This episode is going to have some practical tips for you as well as information on how to become a member of this cohort for the 40-hour teacher workweek club. Hey, Angela, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast. Hey, Kelly, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, You're the first guest I've had on the podcast since I've moved over here to Germany. So we'll see how this works out with new technology (laughs) and internet. And I was in here. um, I we have like only two rooms in this apartment that have a door on them. And my husband was in here before we started um, like hanging sheets in the room because there's no, it's wood floor, no furniture in here yet. So he's like hanging sheets <laughs> and trying to get the sound quality to be decent. So 
we'll see how it goes. Sounds good so far. I mean, if there's anything a teacher knows how to do, it's how to be flexible, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So tell us who you are and about your teaching experience and what you're doing now. So my name is Angela Watson, and um, I was a classroom teacher for 11 years, and now I've been doing instructional coaching and educational consulting for the last nine years. And it all just happened, uh, the shift for me just happened very organically. Um, I just was going online and and sharing ideas um, about things that I did in my classroom, Um, you know, back when I first started teaching, I entered the classroom in 1999 and, you know, teachers, I think felt very isolated during that time. We weren't able to see what was going on in each other's classrooms. So, um, you know, I was really like using those message board forums, which was sort of the best that we had back then. And I realized (laughs) that I, I wanted to start, um, a website so that I could kind of compile all of my ideas and photos and everything in one place, and then just link to them in the message board forums to share with teachers. Um, so that's what I did. And my website just grew from there. I've been adding to it since 2003. So there's just thousands of articles there now. Um, and over time I began writing books. People said, you know, this is great. You should put it in a book. So I did. Um, and I'm working on my fifth book now. So I've got that. I've got courses for teachers, um, printable resources. And now also I have a podcast, which is Angela Watson's Truth for Teachers, um, which I started in 2015. So I just kind of spend my time listening to what teachers say they want and try to create solutions for them. And it's amazing work. I love what I do. It's, uh, it's just awesome being able to support teachers as I'm sure, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's the part I love too. getting to, I was talking yesterday to actually my German, uh, teacher and she was asking me like, well, what are you going to do for work here now that, you know, you're here and you're not teaching anymore. And, Um, I was trying to explain to her like through the language barrier. And so she was like, oh, you want to be a teacher for teachers. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do because I, (laughs) I just love supporting other teachers. So you kind of started like blogging and podcasting, like in the ancient days, not saying because you're old, but like, because before it was a thing, like, I mean, you were kind of a pioneer in the podcasting world. Yeah, that's right. There was only a handful of us um, um, doing that kind of stuff back then. Vanessa Levin was one, Laura Candler was another, and um, we kind of became friendly and uh, we, we still keep in touch, all of us to this day. It's been amazing to be around since sort of the very beginning of of, of this movement. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of hopped in like now that it's the hot thing to do, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, because I was looking at your, you have like over a hundred something episodes. Yes, I do. Yep. I do two seasons a year. Each season has like 15 to 20 episodes. And then I take breaks over the winter holidays and over the summer. Okay. Do you, do you have people that edit your podcast for you? I'm assuming. You know, I used to, I used to, I I tried it and then I just felt like the quality of the episode matters so much to me mm-hmm. that um, I just, I feel better if I do it myself. So that's one of the things that I've, I've sort of held on to, but I do have people help with the transcribing and the editing and blog post images. Yeah. You sound like me. I'm like, I need to give something up for somebody else to do, but yes. um, I don't want, I don't want it to not be perfect exactly how <laughs> I want it. So Yeah. It's a struggle. You have to figure out what are the things that you're willing to let go of or get help with. And what are the things that you want to hold on to yourself? And that's always a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So this podcast I'm airing, right. Um, actually it's going to come out on new year's day. Uh, so right before teachers are getting ready to go back to school, 
for the second semester. So I kind of want to talk about reviewing uh, expectations with your kids or review, uh, uh, implementing new expectations and routines with your kids when you come back from the Christmas holiday. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to kind of get some of your, your ideas and first talking about kids, like what routines should we start day one with them um, when we get back into the classroom? You know, I, I think it's a good idea to sort of ease back in because your head is still at home. Your students' heads, you know, mm-hmm. are still back at everything that was happening over break. So kind of go with that. I, I think that's important. Give yourself grace, especially in that first morning and give grace to your students too. Don't, uh, don't lose your temper when the kids are showing those bad habits or forgetting what to do. I, I think a lot of that frustration comes from anticipating problems. So we've had this nice restful break and then we come back in and first thing in the morning, the kids are doing the same annoying things that they were doing right before break. And so we start going in our minds, oh my gosh, how many times have we been through this? I can't deal with this all the way to June. I can't believe they're still doing this. So we're sort of working it up in our minds to be something more than what it is. Just be present in the moment. Just just address whatever is happening in that moment without overreacting or sort of projecting onto the story that it's, you know, that it's more than what it is. Help the kids kind of ease back in and, and really sort of show grace to yourself too, because it, it is a difficult transition. So I think this idea that we're all just going to just walk magically into the classroom on that first day back and immediately be in the zone, it's just not how human beings work, right? We're not machines. We're not <laughs> robots. So don't put too much pressure on yourself or feel like there's something wrong with you or something wrong with your students if everyone's not like racing in the door on that first day, ready to go and remembering all the routines. Well, I think about... Um like the first day back after a break was always the best day for me because the kids were still like half asleep quiet. by the time they got to, yes, they're yes. so quiet. And, and they actually do follow all the rules. Like <laughs> on the first day, they, you know, because they're just like little zombies, like walking mm-hmm. around. And then it's like the second or third day after break where you're like, ah, mm-hmm. we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what you were saying about giving yourself grace and giving the kids grace is such a, an important piece because I think in, this is something I want to talk about in a little while, but um, we're so hard on ourselves as teachers. And when things don't go exactly the way we want, or the kids aren't behaving like we want, we take it personal, or we we think it's a reflection of our our teaching ability. And so I think that's really important to remember to give yourself grace. Right. Because, you know, you may be tempted to do something like sort of like energizing, let's wake the kids up and like get them back into the zone right away. Let them ease into it. It's okay. Let them, let them just be sort of quiet and chill and, you know, do some, some more laid back things in the morning. And then when you know on that second or third day back, you know, that's when it's time to really start thinking about, okay, now how are we going to, what is, what do we want to spend the rest of our year together doing? What do we want the remainder of this year to be? And that might mean reinventing some routines. Just because you did something in the fall doesn't mean you are going to do it the same way in the spring. So I think, um, you know, considering what you might want to do differently, think about what really wasn't working very well and, and what were some things that you'd like to change? Because I think that the second semester is the perfect opportunity to experiment with different things because you already have that rapport with kids. They already know you, you know them, you have a level of trust with each other. So you can go to them and say, hey, I've been thinking about, you know, changing up our homework assignments or changing up the way that that we handle this thing in our classroom. Let's experiment. Let's try something together. And then you can kind of see 
what works for you and what doesn't. So with the next year's class, hit the ground running. And I think that's um, something that a lot of teachers feel kind of afraid to do. They feel like however they start things off in August is how they are somehow like obligated to continue that way all throughout the school year so they don't confuse the kids. But kids get bored too. You know, Mm -hmm. kids like to switch it up. They like to feel like their teacher is keeping them on their toes and always coming up with new ways of doing things for them. It shows that that you care and, you know, you're interested in, in trying to make the classroom the best that it can possibly be. And that's a great model for them. To be able to say, you know, yeah, I didn't think that this was really that great or I, I kind of feel like this isn't working as well as it used to. Let's try something new. It's a great model for the kids. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid to experiment with some of these routines and change things up in the second semester. Yeah, I I totally agree with that because I think um, I was talking to somebody and we were talking about how consistency is key with kids. Mm-hmm. But I also think flexibility is key, too. And, you know, I don't think you want to go in and change every routine on the first day back, but, you know, slowly, like you said, figuring out what didn't work, what could I do better? um, And then kind of going from there. Hey, I wanted to take a real quick sec just to tell you about the organizer's bin. This is a free resource library that I've created and there are organization and management resources in there to support you. There's a classroom makeover goal planning sheet, 10 organization tools every teacher needs, classroom management resources. I'm in the process of uploading more and creating more content for that organizer's bin. So you can head to my website and it's up on the top, uh, the organizer's bin to sign up or if you're listening and you want to use bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash TSOT org bin. You can sign up there. And of course I'll have it in the show notes. So head to the website, head to the show notes to sign up, get access to some free resources. What about routines for teachers coming back. So I imagine that, you know, it's the new year. Teachers are their 2019 goals, hopefully maybe to not be at school so much. (laughs) Um, So what are some practical things that teachers can do to manage their time at school? Well, one thing that I found that, um, that was really helpful for me and that has helped a lot of teachers that I've coached is to sort of think about your work in terms of like theme days. And how you can batch similar tasks together. So instead of feeling like you're trying to lesson plan, but in the back of your head, you're worried about that stack of papers that needs to be graded. And then you also know there's all these emails that need to be answered and just sort of feeling completely overwhelmed. Like you need to be in every place at once. Have set aside times for different things. So know that, you know, Tuesday and Thursday is when I stay late and I catch up on all my grading. So if I have a big stack on Wednesday afternoon, that's okay because I've got time set aside the next day for it. You know, maybe Monday is your main lesson planning day. Maybe you you come in early and you kind of get everything ready for the week, or, you know, maybe it's Sunday night and that's a time when you really sketch out your, your lessons, but maybe have like a day for each thing so that you know when you're, when you're going to be doing each thing. When it comes to things like returning parent emails, you can have certain office hours, Um, where you tell parents, you know, I respond to emails between these hours and these hours. I'm not going to do it when your kids are in the classroom. 
um, because my main focus is on, you know, being with them, connecting with them, helping them learn. But, you know, after school from 3 to 4.30 p.m., I'm available for phone calls and emails and that sort of thing. So just thinking about when is the optimal time for you to complete tasks? And don't be afraid to take charge of that, to create sort of like a schedule for yourself where it's not this super inflexible thing where, you know, it has to be the same every single week. But at the beginning of the week, think ahead and start thinking, okay, based on what's needed from me this week at work and at home, you know, when do I want to do my grading? When do I do want to do lesson planning? And sort of think about, you know, assigning a time to those things so you're not feeling pressure to do everything at once. I love that idea because I do that same thing. <laughs> and I tell teachers to do the same thing. Like my lesson planning days were always Thursday. And mm-hmm. then, so then I didn't have to worry about it the rest of the week. And then I knew that when I was done lesson planning on Thursday, I would make a list of um, like every copy I needed to print off or every anchor chart I needed to make. And then Friday I would come in and spend my conference time and anytime after school prepping all the stuff for the following week. Um, I love that. So then I could, I could leave Friday kind of like hanging my hat on the, you know, on the door and being like, okay, I'm done for the week. I can go home and relax because I think, uh, one mistake a lot of teachers make, especially newer teachers, which is primarily the audience that listens to my podcast. Um, and part of this is just being a new teacher and figuring it all out, but planning today for tomorrow and then planning tomorrow for the next day, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of batching it all out. And I think that's a dangerous, um, habit to get into. Yeah. That, that day by day planning trap, um, is something that I think even veteran teachers, um, find themselves falling into because we're told so much, Oh, you got to be responsive to the kids needs. How could you possibly know what you're going to be teaching a couple of days from now? You know, cause you don't know how well they're going to master what they have today. So teachers feel like, Oh, I got to plan everything just one day at a time. But really that's not true. We do know where we need kids to get by the end of the year. We know the standards they're supposed to master. And, um, you know, we can't just harp on one standard until they all get it. It doesn't work like that. You know, and no. we have pacing guides and curriculum maps where we know, okay, this time of year we're focusing on this. And so if you know that by the end of the month, your kids need to be, you know, mastering this particular skill or understanding this particular concept, then you really can plan in advance. You can sketch out those units and, you know, make sure you are working backwards. You have your assessment in mind and you know how to get the kids there. And then all you're doing from day to day is just tweaking your lesson plans. You're Mm -hmm. not planning everything from scratch and you'll have so much more of a holistic approach then. It's amazing how much better you feel like you understand your kid's learning process and where you're trying to take them when you are able to batch your lesson plans and not just get stuck planning day by day. Yeah. A lot of times I would actually map out my whole unit for language arts. Mm -hmm. You know, this unit is four weeks long and I would map out a very loose schedule of what I'm going to be doing each day or, you know, activities, whatever. Um, and then of course, you can change that as time comes, but then you kind of see the bigger picture instead of just zooming in right to right now. Yeah. So that brings me to, I want to talk about 40 hour work week, which is, would you call it a course or a program that you offer? 
for both. You know, it's it's a really sort of weird thing to define. It doesn't fit neatly to any boxes. Um, so a lot of times I call it a course because that's what it's most similar to. But a course sounds like something that you have to complete in order or that you have to do everything and then you're going to you know pass or fail. And it it's really not that at all, <laughs> which is why I ended up just sort of calling it a club. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a program basically to help teachers be more intentional with their time to really think about how they're using their instructional time, their contractual time. So that time before and after the kids come in, um, as well as your personal time so that you can shave some of those hours off your work week and stop doing so much work for free. Tell me about, um, I'm like, I'm trying to look it up on your website right now, but Mm -hmm. you have some statistic about, um, the amount of time that teachers were able to shave off of their, their time at school, Mm -hmm. um, once joining the club, what was the amount of time a lot of teachers were spending before? So we sent out a survey to the folks who joined, um, in January, it's open twice a year. It's open in the summer. And then there's also a January cohort. And, um, when we surveyed them, over 400 people returned the survey. And the average amount um, of hours that they were working when they started was 62. And the average amount of hours they were working when they completed the program was 51. So that's a savings of 11 hours a week or 500 hours, actually more than 500 hours a year, um, which is pretty incredible when you think about these are habits that they've put in place now that they can carry through for the rest of their teaching career. So you're talking about like saving 500 hours a year for the rest of the time that you're in the classroom. It's just it's, it's really mind blowing. It's beyond even what I was hoping for teachers when I created this. Mm-hmm. How long ago did you start it? 2015 was the first cohort. Okay. So about the same time you started your podcast. Yeah, that's right. How many, how many teachers are in it at a time? Like, what is it, what does it look like? I guess. So you get support each week for 52 weeks. We know that teachers need different things during different seasons of the year, Mm -hmm. right? So what you need in September is very different from what you would need in April or May. So there's support throughout the year and you get um, printables, you get strategies. The strategies are in a PDF form, so you can just skim over them. And they're also an audio form, which is what a lot of people do. That way it doesn't take up any time to learn them. You just listen to the MP3, you know, during your commute. And there you go. You've got some new ideas. And we just go very methodically um, through basically every aspect of teaching from grading to lesson planning to technology to, you know, work-life balance, all of these different issues that you might be grappling with. And, um, you know, I just share different ideas that may work for you. So you can pick and choose the things that you want to use. You don't have to use everything. And our motto is small changes add up to big results. So you're just making little tweaks in the way that you think about your work and tweaks to your daily habits. And it really does make a huge difference. Yeah. I love that. That's fun. How many teachers have you had go through it? Do you know? We've had more than 25,000 teachers at this point, wow. which is, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's become this whole movement of teachers who are saying enough, like enough. Yeah. I love this work of being a teacher, but I can't keep doing it the way that they're asking me to do it. I've got to find a yeah. way that is sustainable for me, that works for me and my family. So I can keep doing this work that I love for years to come. Well, and that's such a a hard part of, I, I think that's the biggest complaint teachers have mm-hmm. is the time that, um, they just ask us to do so much. And, 
I mean, it's impossible to fit what is expected of us in 40 hours. Um, But, you know, like you said, creating those routines and those uh, boundaries for respecting your time, because I, I'm a big believer of you have to take care of yourself first before you can take care of your kids or, you know, create that safe space in your classroom, because if you're not happy, then it's going to come out in your frustration with your kids and your teaching style. It's, you know, it's going to affect all those different areas. That's right. So the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about, because it kind of goes in with this idea of, you know, we're expected to do all this stuff, um, but we just don't have the time or we lose the passion or the motivation. I've had a lot of teachers reach out saying um, that one of the biggest things they struggle with is feeling like they're enough, Mm -hmm. feeling like they're doing enough, like they're being a good enough teacher. Because again, it's that struggle of, well, like I remember, I mean, even this past year when I was teaching the struggle of leaving school on time, And seeing all the cars in the parking lot and feeling like, well, maybe I'm not a good enough teacher because I'm not spending my time, spending more time here working or, you know, doing this extra stuff for the kids. What do you say to teachers that are kind of struggling with that mindset? I think we have to let go of this belief that hours worked correlates some kind of way with effectiveness. So in other words, the more that you're working, the better you are at your job. And I think when we really examine that, we can see it's not true because we all know teachers who, you know, stay at school until sundown, but they're still passing out worksheets from 1984. They're not doing anything (laughs) innovative in there, right? I don't know what they're doing after school because their instruction is not any more effective than anyone else's, you know? Um, and then we also know teachers, I think all of us who, you know, leave, don't spend a lot of extra time, um, after school, they're, they're getting home to their families. They've got full personal lives and other obligations they attend to. And we see them as being a very effective teachers. They're, you know, no matter how you measure, I, I understand that's a really subjective measure, but when we're looking at, you know, rapport, when we're looking at classroom management strains, when we're looking at student achievement, Working more hours does not mean that you're more effective. It's about what are you spending your time on? What are you focusing on? If you're focusing on the right things for 40 hours, you're going to do a better job than, you know, if you're focusing on things that don't really move the needle for kids for 60 hours. So when we can sort of let that idea out of our head that we have to somehow prove that we're more dedicated by staying late, um, that will change I think the culture of teaching, and I don't know any way to do that other than just through the grassroots. You know, we're not, the pressure really in many ways comes from teachers. You know, Mm -hmm. we're sort of like, we know who's staying late, who's not staying late. Um, And I think we have to sort of support one another in in these measures and work-life balance. And instead of, you know, saying, well, you know, who does she think she is to leave at, at three o'clock every day, go to that person and say, how are you doing this? What, what is your secret? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I want that for myself too. I don't want to be stuck here until six o'clock every single night. What can I do, you know, to try to have better work-life balance and support each other in that instead of, you know, being in this sort of like fearful mindset that I think a lot has been created um, in a lot of school dynamics where people feel like they're being watched right? And they feel like they're being judged. 
And, you know, your administrators may do that and we can't do anything about that, but at least let's not judge each other. Let's at least mm-hmm. support each other. Because I think that real change is going to come when teachers organize around this and say enough is enough. You know, we will not be exploited for free labor. We're not going to just keep putting more and more demands on us all the time because um, we need to do a great job for kids. And most of the stuff you're asking us to do doesn't really impact kids that much. So um, I think being willing to be bold and, and have courage and, you know, and to think about where do you need to be spending your time and focusing on those things instead of trying to give the appearance of working enough hours to please someone else. You bring up administrators and, um, you know, like them expecting all this stuff from us. Do you talk about any of that in the 40 hour work week club, or do you have any, um, I guess, advice for teachers that are dealing with administrators that are continue to expect a lot out of them and, you know, that balance of like when to say no and when to like at my school, I was always the person, if people were frustrated with something going on, they would always come to me and be like, Hey Kelly, mm, we're not really liking this. And then it was like, I was the designated person to go talk to administration about it because I I felt comfortable doing it, I guess. Um, But I know for a lot of teachers that can be really scary and intimidating to go to somebody quote unquote higher than you um, and voice Mm -hmm. those concerns. Yeah, it is. And I think that, you know, having someone that you can talk to that you trust is really important, um, especially as a new teacher, because, you know, you don't want to go in there and, and, and rock the boat too much. You're still trying to figure out what's required and what's not. So that, that would be my best advice is, is find someone that you trust, who's teaching you trust and, and respect as well. Someone who you admire and you want to be like, because you don't want to emulate the teaching style of someone who, you know, you feel like it's not, it's not in alignment with what you want to be in the classroom, but find someone that you really respect and go to them and say, Hey, I'm feeling like I need, I've got like 20 things on my to-do list. Which of these things do I actually have to do? And which ones are the things that maybe someone just mentioned in passing? And, you know, I'm just sort of taking it as something that has to be done. What are the principles pet peeves? What are the things that like people are absolutely checking up on and this needs to be done? And what are some things that I can sort of give less than a hundred percent to? So if you can find someone that you trust to help you evaluate these tasks, you may find that some of the things that you think that you have to be doing, there's a lot of people on staff who are actually not doing that. They found a way around it some mm-hmm. kind of way, um, <laughs> you know, and, and some of the requirements. I mean, like I remember one of the things that, that we were told to do is we had to document our, um, our ESL strategies and our lesson plans. And it took me forever to do it. And I remember just sort of like griping about it one day to a colleague. And she was like, you're still doing that? I'm like, what do you mean? Am I still doing that? Yes, they said to do that. And she was like, that was the old superintendent. The new superintendent didn't say we have to do that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still doing things, you know, because someone mentioned it to me three years ago. No one was ever looking. No one was checking. It made zero difference in my teaching practices. It made zero impact on kids. But I just assumed that I had to. So I think not being afraid to question those norms question the status quo and not even necessarily doing it by going to a principal and making a big deal out of it, but just talking mm-hmm. with your colleagues, like, Hey, are we all doing this? And if we are all doing this, what are some ways that you found to make this easier? Can we share the workload here? Is there, is there a way that we can sort of, you know, organize together to make this something that doesn't require so much time of us? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think what you said about uh, questioning versus like, 
going and saying, oh, this is a problem or I don't like this. I think that questioning kind of coming at it from a different angle also is a little bit more approachable. That's right. Because when you're questioning what you're doing, when you're complaining, you're just complaining, right? But when you're questioning, mm-hmm. you're looking for solutions. And so right. as you're talking with with your either one co- colleague or maybe it's your grade level team, you may be able to start coming up with new solutions there to say, okay, we're being expected to do this because they're trying to achieve this outcome. What's another more efficient way we can achieve that same outcome for them? You know, they really need us to document something. Is there an easier way that we can document it? And once you start questioning and coming up with new solutions, then you can go to your administrators and say, hey, you know, we had something new that we want to try. Can we tell you about it? And then you mm-hmm. come into your principal with an idea, with something that makes the principal's life easier, makes teachers' lives easier instead of just being like, well, we don't like this. You figure out the solution. If you as right. the teacher can figure out the solution, then you're going to come up with something that you like anyway. So it's better <laughs> for you to do it yes. than to just hope that the principal's solution works for you. If you can come up with that solution yourself and bring it to your principal, well, now you're being a problem solver. You're not being a complainer you're actually making things better in the school. And that approach tends to go over so much better. You get much better results with that. Mm -hmm. Yes. They, admin will respond much better Mm -hmm. to that. Um, Okay. Well, that's really all I had that I wanted to talk with you about. So to wrap up, will you tell the listeners where they can find you, how we can find your podcast, if you're on Instagram, social media, um, how we can sign up for the 40-hour work week. Sure. So I'm on all the social media channels under Angela Watson. Um, My podcast is called Angela Watson's Truth for Teachers. So you can search for that in your favorite podcast player. Um, And if you are interested in the 40-hour teacher work week club, it is open through January 10th, 2019. If you go to 40htw.com, so it's 40htw.com. And if you're listening to this after that, when you go there, you can sign up for the wait list. I'll send you some free materials to help you get started and saving time. And then you'll get notified when the next opportunity to join is, which will be over the summer. Okay, so teachers have to sign up by January 10th. Right. Is that correct? Yes, for the January cohort. Okay, and then when does it start? Um, The first set of materials actually comes out on December 29th. So there's something new released every single Saturday. So that's that way you have something new for that first week of January. Okay, so it's just to clarify, it's a full year long. um, When people sign up, they're getting a year long membership. That's right. And you, it's, it's that one-time payment and you don't ever have to renew. You don't lose access to anything. You'll have access to these resources the rest of your teaching career, as well as the community, um, you know, where, where you have support. So it's not something that you have to pay for. It's just something you go through the program one time and then you can keep going back to it and, and going back to the things that you skipped or maybe that you missed and keep evolving your practice over time. So you never lose access to anything. That's good because that kind of takes some of that pressure of like having to do it all right then. Exactly. Because you're not going to be able to do it all the first year. There's no way you can streamline every aspect of your teaching. You know, a a year long program sounds like a long time, but it's still not even enough to do everything. (laughs) So um, you you just do whatever works for you and then go back through it again the next year. We have people who are going through it now for the third and fourth time um, and they feel like they get something new out of it every single time. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing about that with us. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. 
All right, y'all, so the end of the podcast is always when I say weird things like this. Does anybody else think that Angela's voice is, like, really calming and relaxing? See, I know that's weird, but really, her voice is, like, the perfect teacher voice. I love the conversation we had around extending grace to our students and to ourselves. This is hard. I know because it's something I struggle with all the time. And it's something that has to be a daily reminder, but guys, it's so true. Our kids are not perfect. We're human, we're not perfect. So why would we expect our classrooms to run perfectly? They won't and that's okay. And the sooner that we can accept that and give ourselves grace for the things that don't go well, the better we'll be in the long run. I hope that you've enjoyed your last couple days of relaxation before heading back to school. I hope that you've soaked up every bit of your break and enjoyed it. Guys, you deserve it. Be sure to head to the show notes for links to things we talk about, her podcast, her books, the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week Club. Remember, if you want to join, you have to do so by January 10th. If you're listening like in the future, uh, this is January 10th, 2019. So be sure to join by then. Uh, if you don't, remember there is a wait list you can sign up for, but be sure to join by January 10th, 2019, because that's when the doors close. And if you do decide to enroll, would you mind mentioning Simply Teach when you sign up? Once again, Happy New Year. I'll see you back here in just a week with another mini-sode on classroom organization. Bye, guys. Friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. Don't forget to head over to the simplyorganizedteacher.com for all the show notes, links to things we talked about, and you can sign up for my email list there. Also, be sure to find the Facebook group because I want to be your social media friend. The fun music you're listening to, that's provided by hooksounds.com. Hooksounds.com.